This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com. The only place to be in your pop culture world. Come on, come on. It, we call it the uh, the place. The place to be. Yes, the place to be. Then I shall be. It is contagious. It is the place to be, and we are live each and every Monday. Do you actually need a camera for tout, or is it like part of the program? Um, yeah, I like Big Dick myself. I'm just kidding. Do you listen at all when I speak on the show? Party people in the place to be. Yo, yo, place to be is on my side, dude, because you don't want to be the target but not fly the coop. Nah, place to be is on my side, dude, because you don't want to be the target but not fly the coop. Place to be nation proudly presents a powerful pair of pro wrestling pundits. It's JT Rosero and Scott Criscolo, and this is the Place to Be podcast. They're in the place to be, and if a sucker step up, then he's bound to get served when the three combine. Fresh is a word, and yo, haven't you heard? It's surreal in the peas, and they got what you need in the place to be. Come on, while we get the last Welcome back to the great episode of the one and only Place to Be Podcast. I'm your host, JT Rosero, coming at you from the PTBN studios here on this fine Monday. Joining me as always, my PIC, Mr. Scott Criscolo. Scott, how are you? Good evening, JR. Good evening, uh, everyone at PTB. Friends and family, welcome to 640 of the longest running episodic of a fucking gold thing. And uh, a uh, historic episode tonight. Not just a raw, not just a raw going on, but of here at the Place to Be podcast. Only what, maybe like the third time officially in uh, PTB Network history, we're actually changing the format up a little bit. Actually, not a little bit, kind of a lot, actually. Um, you let everyone in. First of all, it's good to see you. It's good to see you last weekend at our mm-hmm. usual Thanksgiving fun and games. Uh, we watched the we watched Survivor Series. Not much happens. Kind of boring, but. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. um, the most exciting thing was uh, the Florida State quarterback getting drilled by two uh, Florida cornerbacks. Uh, no. um, let everyone in on what we'll be doing uh, this evening and why this beautiful gentleman is uh, right below us. Yeah, we have a few different things going on tonight. So going forward with our new format, we've decided to uh, simulcast this podcast, both audio and video. Uh, so audio will be where it's always been the placement nation wrestling feed. The video will be on the North South connection uh, podcast video feed on YouTube. And I, I believe you're going to probably throw it up on the place to be podcast, uh, podcast video feed on YouTube as well. So it'll be a few different places that you can check it out. Um, but it, it will be now in video form. So if you want to watch, feel free. Uh, if you want to listen, of course, as you always have, that's cool too. And like we talked about our last episode, we are changing things up. We're hopping out of the, Vintage Vault review timeline. We made it to WrestleMania 26, which, I mean, if you would have said way back when in 2011 when we started in 1985, that we'd not only do 1985 to 2010, that we'd also do 1985 to 92 twice with a whole lot of bonus content, you'd say we're probably crazy. Uh, But we did all that. 
And we just thought it was time, just time to mix it up. And I don't know, maybe this will be good. Maybe, maybe it'll fail. Who the hell knows? But uh, for now, we'll give it, a, we'll give it a go. We'll try something different and we can always pivot back. If needed, right. Yeah. Uh, but for now, we're going to do a concept called making towns. We're going to have a different guest every episode. That guest is going to pick a wrestling, wrestling town, town near and dear to them. And with that, they'll also pick a match that occurred in that town. Uh, we're going to live watch the match together. We'll talk about it. We'll also give the kind of the history of that town. And uh, we're not going to lose our vintage uh, throwback section either, Scott. So we're going to go back to that week in history that's chosen. We're going to talk old sports stuff, old pop culture stuff, uh, like we have been doing uh, all this time. So no concerns there for anyone, of course. So uh, we'll go ahead. We, th- we thought this was a very fitting uh, initial guest for our reboot. Uh, he, of course, is the original PTB historian. He is my co-host on Wrestling Warzone, one of the purveyors of the North-South Connection, and that is Mr. Chad Campbell. Chad, how are you? Doing good. How's it going? Really missed an opportunity. I should have picked one of the uh, Undertaker versus Kane matches from the fall of 2010. That's <laughs> <laughs> my, my match. Uh, we already know uh, Keith Langs is banned from PTV because he's already threatened to pick a 2010 match. So he's Yeah, gonna... of course. He's out. Uh, all right, Chad. So why don't you tell us the match in town you picked? Tell us why. And then we'll head back in time and we'll uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so a pretty, pretty uh, predictable choice, I'd say, out of the gate for me. I picked Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I, I, I think it's uh, obviously a town that has a lot of rich history, um, but I think it's an interesting town from a place to be podcast perspective because it's not a town that uh, has been mentioned very often, honestly. Like even through through what you guys have covered. There had only been, what, four pay-per-views if you include Armageddon 2004 in Duluth. Um, so, so you know, not a, not a ton of pay-per-views on the WWE side uh, still from 1985 to 2010. And uh, and where we're talking on our podcast, Justin, it's it's also not very prominent yet. We're, we're coming up on the last Nitro in the Omni. Um, but then they take a pretty good break uh, till January 1998, and it's uh, fairly sporadic in the Georgia Dome since then. It'll be, you know, two and 98, two and 99. Um, then they go back to Phillips Arena. So, so it's a, it's, it's just an interesting town. Of course, it's, it's my hometown. It's uh, near and dear to me. So it felt like a natural pick. It's also funny because. Yeah, and, and it's a great match. No, I was going to say, and, and you were talking about history, Chad. It's only four shows, and that includes not only that Armageddon 04, but uh, that December to Dismember 06, if you count that too. And then they didn't, and then uh, uh, what, Rumble 02? Yeah, and Rumble then, 02, Backlash uh, 07. Uh, 07. And then we didn't get, well, we did get to it. I think Rumble 10, right? Yeah, Roy yeah. So we had we got five five Georgia shows in the time we we uh we were there, and that includes uh Duluth and wherever the heck Augusta, Augusta I think. Augusta, right. yeah. I mean, that's what. like an hour and a half, two hours away. No, it's um, not even like, <laughs> all right. Um so but uh no, it was a good pick, as you can see, repping repping Mr. Aaron's hat tonight. Not George, Hank. <laughs> and uh and uh I'm excited. I'm glad this is a good pick. I uh those early '90s Starcades uh, are always good, um, and uh, obviously you picked probably 
WCW's like premier feud at the time while Flair was in the WWF. Um, because Vader and, and Sting would have a, many, many matches over that like 92, 93 um, run, even it's early 94. Yeah. Before Hogan comes in. So it's a good pick. Good pick. Yeah. So I, I picked Sting versus Vader from Starcade 1992. The reason uh, I picked that match, one, it, it's just a great match. Two, I, I think Starcade 1992 is an interesting kind of point in time for WCW history where Bischoff has taken control um, as I mentioned with the town of Atlanta overall like he he didn't want to kind of have it shoehorned in that regionalism aspect with WCW being married to Atlanta kind of like how WWF's married to New York in some degree right um, so this is the last arcade in Atlanta um, and, and really this match is one of my like if you think about like the matches that i kind of regret not going at this i was six years old when this event happened i was mainly a wwf fan uh but was you know cognizant of wcw at this point like sting a lot um and this is just a show that Never kind of entered my periphery as an option to go to, you know, not one I asked my parents or anything like that. I uh, wasn't watching WCW pay-per-views by uh, my guy from the church that I've talked about that taped all the uh, WWF pay-per-views on his black box. Uh, he was very sporadic with the WCW pay-per-views for some reason. Um, so, so I had a couple here and there, Halloween Havoc 1991, and uh beach blast 92 of all things um but but didn't watch this one to later and i think this is kind of a forgotten uh in that sting vader trilogy of 92 93 their kind of historic trilogy where you remember the strap match for the violence at super brawl you remember the great american bash match because of the uh, ending with the heel winning you know clean just didn't happen and uh, one of the big promotions around that time and era. Uh, but this is a forgotten match. And I, I, in some ways, I think this is one of the better matches. We'll watch it again. Like, But it's it's definitely a match where every time I watched it, it's kind of held up. And it's like, oh, yeah, like this this is a, a, a fabulous match altogether. Um, but, yeah, just I, I, I wish I'd have been there live. If I'd been there live, it's possible it would have been the best match I'd ever seen live. And, yeah. Uh, it's kind of one of those what ifs, great regrets. Like, like I mean, great. Like, I would have loved to have been at the Omni for the first uh, War Games, uh-huh. but I, I was mm-hmm. I was a year old, so I didn't. You know, my dad wasn't a huge wrestling fan. Like, there's just no way. Um, I, I'd honestly say this one and uh, WrestleMania 24 of all things, the Flair versus Shawn match are kind of the two regrets that you know i mean that was in orlando i could have drove down uh could have done that and just didn't um so those are kind of the two matches where it's like i had had the means and probably availability to do it and just wasn't there alive mine was definitely wrestlemania 10 <laughs> i mean i like nowadays that would have been a no-brainer an msg mania right but like at yeah. the time being 13 like it seemed like a crazy ask uh but i mean that was the first wrestlemania that have been closed since i've been watching um, yeah. And speaking mine's of, probably, like, mine's probably WrestleMania. Mine's probably WrestleMania 11 because it was in Hartford, but I was a senior in college and <laughs> didn't have a pot to piss in. And probably, actually, probably the biggest one for me, just based on the quality and where it was, is probably SummerSlam 02. I mean, mm. 
Tomato's mm-hmm. backyard, and uh, I mean, with Sean Tate, with Sean Triple H, I don't know why that 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 one will always that one always haunt me that I should have been there. We all have those kind of shows, you know. Yeah. The uh, so I was watching WCW at this time. Like I remember this tournament well. I remember like the show well. Yeah. And it's an interesting time frame, right? Because Vader has a pretty big night and then a pretty big title change. Like what, a couple days after this or the week after, right? He wins a belt back from Ron Simmons. Yeah. To head into '93 as champion, so it's an interesting time. Um, WCW. What did you think of them doing like the battleable concept for Starcade during these couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I think from 1989 when they did the Iron Man whatever challenge, uh, and then with the battleable concept, they they had a few years where they just tried these wacky concepts for Starcade, and it it felt definitely too gimmicky uh for their kind of premiere show um 90s has the tag tournament and then the black scorpion stuff so so i think in general the 89 90 91 92 stretch and then even uh, 95 they do shows, yeah they 95 do the New Japan show too um it, it's 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 rough like there's 92 uh with this match and 93 with flair vader there's there's two like amazing matches stuck in that era, but um, the the show we just talked about '96 kind of felt like a return to form uh, for the yeah, yeah. show as a whole to like the glory days of '85 and '86 as far as Starcades are concerned. Mm. All right, so we know the match, we know the town now. Uh, so we're gonna head back in time, December 28, <laughs> 1992. We're going to talk about what was going on in the world of wrestling. We'll do some pop culture talk as well. And then we'll come back, uh, talk about Atlanta a little bit more before we get to the match. So, Scott, what was happening? Any house shows or other televised events this week in 92 or this day in 92? Uh, there there indeed was. Uh, it was the last day of shows in 1992 for, uh, obviously, I'll do WWF because WCW obviously had Starcade, so there's no other shows for them. Uh, the WWF actually had three house shows. They had three loops going Christmas week of 1992. So there's three, and they were in our neck of the woods, JR, up here. Um, house show number one, you guys could gauge on which ones were better or worse. So this one is from the uh, Veterans Memorial Armory in Fall River, Massachusetts. Oh, boy. Here is, yeah, Fall River. Here's your card. <laughs> Double Trouble defeated Phil Apollo and Scott Taylor, who was subbing for Mark Thomas. Mark Thomas is that fucking jacked up jobber from, and he would stick around till like, I feel like he was there till like 94, Mark Thomas. Um, Tiger Jackson versus Little Mickey Moses. So we're still getting midget matches in the early 90s. <laughs> Little uh, Mickey Moses. Little Mickey Moses. Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan against the Berserker. Um, Marty Petty and our intercontinental champion, Shawn Michaels. So that feud, of course, was already uh, bubbling up as we were heading into 93. And the main event was the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Razor Ramon, because that feud, of course, was was uh, pushing hard as well. The second uh, house show was at the Convention Center in Niagara Falls, New York. Uh, your card, uh, Terry Taylor against Question Mark, who remember the days uh, our good friend Landy and Graham over on HistoryWWE.com does not have an opponent, but they were subbing for Max Moon. So um, Skinner against Jim Powers. Lance Cassidy against Repo Man. 
The big boss man took on another question mark. He was subbing for Nails, who clearly at this point had been fired. <laughs> so um, the head shrinkers took on High Energy, uh, Owen Hart and uh, Coco Beware. Our World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions were, of course, Money, Inc., Ted DiBiase and IRS. They were taking on the Nasty Boys. And your main event, World Wrestling Federation Champion, the Hitman Bret Hart, against the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. They were doing big, big, good matches, apparently, all very long, 20-something. In fact, I think, uh, guys, I feel like they did some, like, mini, like, Ironmans, like, 30-minute matches. I feel like they uh, were doing a house show loop, the two of them. Well, well, so these, there's a lot of handhelds, actually, of them two in late 92 and early 93. Uh, so, so their first kind of loop around was just regular, like, 20, 25-minute matches, all very good. Uh, the Ironmans are 60-minute Ironmans. The one that's kind of oh. infamous is the one from Boston, uh, the Boston Garden. I think that's January 9th around there on the date. It's it's right before the first Raw. So. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it's one of the – they had a good run going before, of course, Flair left. Uh, the final house show on the loop is from a place I had never been to before until just this past September, the Westchester County Center – in White Plains, uh, which, of course, was a big haunt for WWF back in the day. Uh, here's the card. Uh, it tells you how big this roster was because I don't think there's any repeats. There's no repeats on any of these three shows. So it tells you how big the roster was in at the end of 92. So, yeah, Bam Bam Bigelow defeated Virgil. Beverly Brothers defeated the Bushwhackers. Uh, in a match pulled right out of 1986, Tito Santana defeated Iron Mike Sharp. I oh. forgot Iron Mike Sharp was still there. <laughs> Jesus. My God. Pulled that right out of one of our MSG house shows, uh, JR. Uh, Tatanka defeated Damian Demento. Yeah. I didn't realize Damian Demento was there in 92. I, I thought he wasn't there until, well, I guess he was in the main event in 93. No, I think he debuted in like, I think it was like September. Hmm. Um, Bob Backlund defeated Rick Martell, which was probably a pretty good match. And then the main event was uh, The Undertaker defeated Papa Shango. So your three main events on these three house shows were Randy Savage versus Razor Ramon, Bret Hart versus Ric Flair, and Undertaker versus Papa Shango. I don't know. Probably takes Niagara Falls, I guess, Bret and Flair. Although Savage Razor probably was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, the Fall River show sounded okay. Um, I'm surprised. It sounds like the best card was in the worst town. <laughs> the worst town. Um, I'm surprised they put that dog shit in Westchester. But yeah, probably that first card, but Bret Flair is probably the best match of all of them. Yeah, yeah, the Fall River show had two the two best, I think, matches on top combined. Yeah, you had the Marty Sean stuff and then Macho Razor. Um, I mean, I would assume, yeah, the best match from a quality standpoint was Flair Brett. Um, one thing I will say about their match, I, I, I've always like been high on them together in the ring, but yeah, by this point, you didn't expect player to win so right some of the heat on that isn't right amazing yeah right. he's fading by that point too like I, I went to a house show i think it's it might be even after the raw match i think it's around the rumble and it's him and perfect and you could tell like there's just no gas in the tank for flying the wf it was like yeah. completely obvious he was gone um yeah all right, any other house show yeah. stuff no that's it that was the three w uh obviously ecw was uh was in its infancy in 92, there's not much there. Um, and I don't think, 
I don't think Smoky Mountain had start right. Smoky Mountain didn't start yet, right, Chad? 92? No, it was it was in. It was okay. going. I don't know if they ran that. Day. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a I'll take a peek. I didn't even think to look, but because um, I thought they started in '93. But let me check real quick while we're chatting here. Let me go to um, let me go to the history of WWE.com. Let me go to Smoke like RO TNA. Yeah, the rest of these are all later. Let me see. Smoky Mountain had. Oh yeah. Oh, they started in '91. I feel like they. For some reason, I keep thinking yeah, they started the first. Three. The first tapings in late '91. Their first TV show air dates uh, February first, '92. Gotcha. Actually, no. The last show uh, of the year was the day before, December twenty seventh, at the Raleigh County Armory in Beckley, West Virginia. The main <laughs> event was was the Rock and Roll Express against Stan Lane, Tom Pritchard, yeah. and Cornette in that match. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, okay. So, yeah, there was no show. The, the last show was the uh, was the day before. So, that's it for uh, that is it for house shows, Jr. Uh, on this date, December twenty eighth, nineteen ninety two. Okay, uh, I do have a few uh, editions of the Herb Coons tidbits from December ninety two at the weekend. No boy, there we go. Uh, here, this first edition is from December third. Uh, there's going to be a Starcade on the 28th from the Omni. Matches are Masachono versus uh, KJ Muto for the NWA title. Ron Simmons versus Rick Rude for the WCW title. Sting versus Vader in the King of Cable tourney. Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas versus Barry Windham and Brian Pillman for the tag team titles. Second annual Battle Bowl with eight teams to be drawn live. The only announced match is Cactus Jack and Johnny B. Bad against Dan Spivey and Van Hammer. He runs through the rest of the Battle Wall participants. Um, and that's that. There's also talk that the Honky Talk Man has appeared at the most recent TV tapings. Since center stage regulars didn't go this week, I guess we'll have to wait to see if that's odd, if that really happened on Saturday. Talk is that he debuted as a heel manager with Michael Hayes. Obviously, thankfully, not the case. <laughs> Arn Anderson blow at his knee prior to the match that aired this past weekend on Saturday night. I wonder if they'll say now that Eric Watts' STF is so devastating that it injured the enforcer. Dirty F has its annual Royal Rumble on January 24th from Sacramento. No lineup yet. Earthquake John Tenta will finish after that show and head to all Japan. TV tapings will be the next two days in San Jose and Fresno. And the Clash on January 13th from Milwaukee. Any quick thoughts on that batch before we head to December 10th? Um, I have... I'm just waiting for it to load. I actually have a Muda... I think I saw this on one of your lists, Chad. I have a Muda Chono match on my GWCW um, top 100 match list. Uh, I think I had it at 10. Um, I think it was from, uh, for some reason, Google Sheets is taking forever. But I think it was from like early 93. I don't know if yeah. it was like. It's, um, the, uh, it's the one from <clears throat> January 4th. 1993 at the Tokyo yeah. Dome. Yeah, that's when I and had. And they aired it, you know, in in America in March. On the, yeah, I had that match on my list. Man, Super Show. Yeah, I had that match on my list at number ten because I match. Yeah, I mean those two guys together. Just real quickly, they're they're kind of a little perplexing with their chemistry because they have uh, an amazing, absolute amazing match in 1991. Uh, on the final night of the G1 Climax, and then that match in 1993 is great, too. And they got a couple other matches that are great, and then they have some like the one at Starcade that's long, uh, disappointing, too. Hmm. 
They're kind of like Triple H in that regard. You know, like they got (laughs) classic matches and then they got some that are just like, oh boy. Yeah, Yeah. one too many matches. Yeah. Yeah. All right, December 10th, 92, he runs down Starcade again. Same stuff. The feud between Tex Lassinger, Shanghai Pierce, and Tom Zenk and Johnny Gunn begins this weekend on Saturday night. The Texans try and put a dress on Zenk. The advertised Rhodes versus Wyndham match does not take place. Royal Rumble on January 24th from Sacramento. Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon for the WF title. The 30-man Royal Rumble, including Jerry Lawler, that youngster Carlos Colon, and El Guillante, his new talent. Tenru will also appear at the Rumble, but it's unclear whether he'll participate or have a singles match. Earthquake John Tenta finishes as well, goes to All Japan, and there's talk that Jerry Lawler will stay with the WF for a while. You think? <laughs> Fucking be there forever. So. Kamala's face turn will happen before the Rumble. There's talk that after he turns, he's going to form a team with The Undertaker. Further rumor has him taking on Kimchi and Harvey Whippleman and crushing them to end their WF careers. The Steiners will join the WF in January after the final date at New Japan on January 4th, 93, against Kensuke Sasaki and Road Warrior Hawk. They have been released from their WCW contracts. WCW New Japan have their third annual Super Show from the Tokyo Dome on January 4th. Masa Chono versus Great Muta for the NWA IWGP titles. Ron Simmons versus Tony Halm, Ludwig Borga, for the WCW title. Ricky Choshu versus Tenru, the Steiners versus Kensuke Sasaki and Road Warrior Hawk. Jushin Riger and El Ultimo Dragon for the IWGP Junior title. Norio Ogan, uh, Onaga, Super Strong Machine, and Tatsutoshi Goto and Hiro Saito versus Kengo Kimura, Shiro Koshinaka, Akatoshi Saito, and Kabuki. There'll be matches involving Sting, Rick Rude, Dustin Rhodes, and one other WCW wrestler. Clash on January 13th, Super Brawl on the 27th from Asheville. WrestleMania will take place on April 4th from Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Promo tape includes some footage of Hulk Hogan, and rumor has him appearing but not wrestling, perhaps doing commentary. The tentative main event is Bret Hart versus Yokozuna. Lex Luger will also be in the fold by this point. There's also a chance he'll be pushed straight to the top at this show. All right, any thoughts before we get to our final uh, batch here from the 17th? Good, man. Not a, not a bad uh, batting average, I guess, for her, all things considered. Um, Undertaker and Kamala teaming up, I don't <laughs> think ever came to pass. But yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, my God. Definitely not. Uh, the uh, Hogan, Hogan commentary, that's ugly. Hogan, Hogan do a commentary at WrestleMania 9? Yeah, that one didn't yeah, check out either. Yeah, no, that, one, that one didn't make it either, but he had the main event at this point, which is pretty good. So. Mm, yeah. Uh, all right, December 17th, Starcade runs down the card again. Shane Douglas and Rick Rude both suffered minor injuries on the weekend, but they're both expected to be fine for Starcade. Dusty Rhodes' booking deal runs out in the near future. This talk, he'll take a walk. since there's no way he'll be kept at the same salary. Greg Gagne has also been brought in to work on the creative team. Royal Rumble on January 24th, Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon for the world title. The Royal Rumble winner gets a title shot at WrestleMania featuring Bob Backlund, Berserka, Carli- uh, Carlos Colon, Crush, Damian Demento, Ted DiBiase, Jim Duggan, Earthquake, Hedrick or Fatu, Ric Flair, Owen Hart, Mr. Perfect, Jerry Lawler, Rick Martell, Nails, Nasty Boy, Brian Nobbs, Repo Man, Jerry Sag, Samu, Tito Santana, Macho Man, Papa Shango, IRS, Tatanka, Tenru, Typhoon, Undertaker, Virgil, Koku, Beware, and Yokozuna. Other matches have been reported as such. Shawn Michaels versus Marginetti for the IC title. Bam Bam Bigelow versus Big Boss Man, Max Moon versus Terry Taylor, Steiner Brothers versus the Beverly Brothers, and 
Undertaker versus Nails, an electric chair match. And that was rumored at the time. I don't know if it was going to happen until Nails got fired or not, but they were definitely teasing a feud between those two, uh, even making the cover of the magazine. The last match, though, looks to be scrubbed if both guys are to be in the Rumble. Jerry Lawler will become a regular color commentator for superstars or occasionally work big shows. Everybody's betting on either Mr. Perfect, and if you were live at our House of Survivor Series, Keith, Big Keith was part of that bet. Uh, Mr. Perfect or Yokozuna will win the Royal Rumble. There's a rumor that Bret Hart is slated to drop the strap to Ric Flair in February. I guess this goes hand-in-hand hand with Hennig winning the Rumble, giving us Flair versus Hennig main eventing WrestleMania. There's also talk that Lex Luger will get pushed to the top overnight once March arrives. So there's multiple scenarios with him involved. The more sedate rumors of Bret Hart giving the push as champion, but the next heel at bat being Yokozuna, who's already slated for a major push in house shows in January and February. The Steiners debuted this past Tuesday at a TV taping. WCW has let them out of the contracts early. Uh, we have the Super Show, pretty much the same card. Clash on January 13th, Super Brawl 227, WrestleMania in Vegas. Uh, same notes about Hogan on that. So that's about it for her uh, for this installment. Any final thoughts there? Again, it seems like he was pretty in line, so pretty good for her. Uh, I, I find it funny. I guess I guess there weren't any real, uh, and I guess we talked about this, Jr. When we were doing that, the ninety twos. But I guess the, I guess the rumors of Flair leaving were really not strong yet. Um, if Herb was thinking that Flair was going to main event, was going to still be champion again in main event Mania with Perfect, which I would have totally paid for because that main event would have been awesome. Um, but I like the I like how uh, Herb says the more sedate rumors is actually what happened. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. strong rumors. Well, it is the most bland of those options. I mean, yeah, like Flair Flair Perfect is a probably a hotter feud and potential match. I don't know when the Flair stuff kicks in. I'm I'm guessing it's soon. Like if we keep reading these, I'm guessing by early January. I mean, he, he loses the loser leaves town match on Raw, the Raw taping the week before the Rumble, so it happens pretty fast in there. Right. But, yeah, and I mean. Uh, uh, Luger debuts at the Rumble, and I mean he doesn't get a mega push as narcissist. Well, I wish he did better than what he ended up getting. Um, but I mean he had he was he did have the pulse of Yoko as the number one contender, and um, I do remember the Taker Nail stuff because that I mean, obviously none of us knew. I mean we don't we wouldn't know about the whole Vince and the no. well, and, and they stuff. shot the angle on Superstars. Like they had the big stare down in the ring on Superstars that was on the cover of the magazine. I think it was January '93 magazine. Uh, mm -hmm. They're on the cover, so it definitely seemed like they were prepping for something between those two guys. So I don't know if, if Giante was coming in anyway, or if they pivot to him and bring him in to to take Nails' place against Taker right. once Nails is gone, or what they're if they were bringing him in anyway and they just fast right. track that instead. Uh, I'm not sure, but yeah. unless he was going to interfere, maybe Taker Nails was going to end at the Rumble and then he was going to interfere. But right. Um, all right. So that's it for the wrestling portion, Scott. So why don't we head back again? Uh, to the week of December 27th, 92. And we're going to head into our uh, vintage pop culture corner. And I... Let us begin 
we'll go to, of course, uh, we're gonna we're gonna add some stuff, give give you a little more meat on the pop culture corner, mostly in the sports department, and it's good tonight because Chad will be very interested in what we add. So, of course, we will begin with music, and we will go to uh, Billboard's Hot 100 uh, for the week ending um, uh, December uh, 20. Or actually, it's the week of January 2nd, 93, the end of that week. So number one was I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston because the uh, bodyguard had an album, I believe. So unless it was coming out. No, it was out already. So that was still number one. Eight weeks on the chart and uh, it's second week at number one. Uh, Rump Shaker by Rex and Effect at two. Love that song. If I Ever Fall in Love by Shy at three. Uh, in the Still of the Night, the uh, cover by uh, Boys to Men at four. Rhythm is a Dancer by Snap at five. Uh, one of my favorite songs, I Love You by PM Dawn from Boomerang. A lot of soundtrack songs in this countdown. Uh, at number six, Saving Forever for You by Shanice at number seven. I think that's a 90210 song, I think, actually. Uh, Good Enough by Bobby Brown at eight. What About Your Friends by TLC at nine. And Real Love by Mary J. Blige at ten. So there's your top ten for the week ending. Not terrible. A um, uh, lot of top half. T- tapers a bit at the end there, but first five. Very, uh, very like R and B heavy. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely, and a lot of soundtracks. A lot of soundtracks. Speaking of soundtracks, we go from uh, the radio to the big screen and take a look at the movies that were out on this weekend. Of course, it was Christmas weekend, so we had some uh, decent uh, movies out at the end of '92. Um, Let's go through the top 10. At number 10, Toys. That was a Fox movie. I'm trying to remember what that was about. Toys? Does that ring a bell, guys? I don't know. It's, it's not hitting me. Toys. This was the weekend in Christmas. I can't think of what Toys is. But um, at number nine, Leap of Faith. Wasn't that, uh, that was Robin Williams. I thought that was Babes in Toyland. No, it looks like he's in Toys as well. Hmm. Okay. Uh, number nine. He's a toy making company and begins making war toys. His employees band together to stop him before he ruins the name of the company forever. Oh. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. Number nine, uh, Leap of Faith. Uh, this was a hot week for uh, for Eddie Murphy because he had two movies in the top eight. Um, or maybe no. No, just one. The other one bounced down. Uh, the Distinguished Gentleman at number eight. Maybe, but maybe Boomerang hadn't come out yet because the soundtrack usually comes out first anyway. Distinguished Gentleman at number eight. Couple of debut or a couple of uh, openings on this weekend. Trespass uh, was number seven. Uh, Hoffa with Jack Nicholson playing the uh, legendary uh, Teamsters leader who mysteriously was buried under Giant Stadium and now it's technically a parking lot. At number six, number five, Forever Young. Uh, I believe even four. Chad pissed on Jimmy Hoffa's grave somewhere along the way at WrestleMania 29. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing beats a good tailgate over a grave. <laughs> Uh, uh, number five, Forever Young. At number four, The Bodyguard, as mentioned, because uh, the song was in the countdown. At number three, uh, I think I, I consider an unheralded uh, sequel in uh, history, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Oh, yeah. um, I, I think it's a great sequel. I don't think it's talked about enough. I think it's a good sequel, though. At number yeah, I two, watched it the other day. It still holds up pretty well. It, I think it definitely does. I mean... I like the pigeon lady. It's not the same as the old man in the first one, but I kind of like that dynamic. It was, it was pretty good. Uh, Aladdin at number two, the original animated one. Um, and at number one, 
Another Jack, actually Jack Nicholson had two movies. Uh, at number one, Few Good Men, which is mm -hmm. probably one of one of Tom Cruise's best, one of Jack Nicholson's best, probably one of Kevin Bacon's best, a lot of everybody's best. Uh, tremendous movie, Few Good Men. So that was the top 10 Christmas weekend in 1992. So from there, uh, we're actually going to add a new feature, another new feature. Uh, we are going to do the TV schedule. We always talk about movies. Let's talk about what was on uh, the small screen uh, on this night. Uh, what was airing on a Sunday night, because this was a Sunday night, I believe, mm. in yep. 1992. So here's what was on Sunday in the 1992-93 TV schedule. At number uh, On ABC, you had Life Goes On. Uh, you had America's Funniest Home Videos at 8 o'clock. 8.30, this primetime. 8.30 was America's Funniest People. And then you had the ABC Sunday movie. They were still doing that in the 90s? Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. On CBS, for a while, I think. Yeah. On CBS, it's pretty much what you would get when uh, the 4 o'clock uh, NFC game ended from Candlestick or Anaheim. You had 60 Minutes at 7. Then after that, you had Murder. She wrote, as Pat Summerall used to do. And then the CBS Sunday movie. Uh, on NBC, you had Secret Service, you had Eyewitness Video, and then the NBC Sunday movie. Uh, the one, the one, uh, this was probably the network that won on this night because the one network that did not have a movie on was uh, Fox. And here was their lineup starting at seven o'clock. You had Great Scott, you had the Ben Stiller yeah. show. Um, at eight o'clock, you had In Living Color. At eight thirty, you had Rock. At 9, Married with Children. At 10, Herman's Head. At, uh, I'm sorry, 9.30 you had Herman's Head. At 10, you had Flying Blind. And at 10.30 you had Whoops. Um, for those wondering where um, the Simpsons are, I think they were on another night back then. Uh, yeah, is it Wednesday? Or I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. Let's see, it was not Wednesday. Thursday. At that in that that season, Simpsons was Thursday night eight because Wednesday nights at eight. Of course, Jr. was nine hundred two one zero was at eight, and Melrose Place was at nine. So that was that was Fox's other big night. And of course, during the week at ten o'clock, Fox would actually go to news because Fox was always at least my Fox affiliate had news at ten o'clock before everybody else went to eleven o'clock. So that's uh, that was was what was on television on Sunday night uh, in nineteen ninety two. So now. Sticking with television, it's a Sunday, which means we take the field. All right, let's All do right. it. All right, so this is going to be a little different for you, JR, than in the past, because the past, when we did our vintage vaults, you kind of were kind of clued in on the season because we were doing the, the same NFL season. Well, now every week or every episode, we're going to be bouncing all over the place. You're going to have to be on your game. So tonight, it is week 17, the final regular season Ooh. week of the 1992 season. Um, of course, the defending world champions were Washington, uh, but they were, well, they were still in the playoff hunt, I think. So here's the last uh, week of the season. So, gentlemen, here we go. Uh, there were, uh, let's see, there were two games on, so this was a Sunday. So actually, Starkey took place on a Monday, not a Sunday, oh. it was a Monday. Okay. So it was a Monday night. So, uh, but Monday night, same kind of programming on television. Um, 
so here we go. So there were two games on Saturday. We'll begin at uh, Giant Stadium in the Meadowlands, where the JETS 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 hosted the New Orleans Saints. Jr. <laughs> Late ninety-two Jets. I'll, I'll go with the Jets. I'll take the Jets okay. here. All right, Chad. Thanks. Uh, it doesn't matter what happened in the nineties with the Jets. Uh, always ended the same. Saints twenty, Jets zero. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> um, the other game was at uh, RFK Stadium where Washington hosted the Los Angeles Raiders, Chad. I'll go uh, Commanders. <laughs> I'll take the Hogs. Yeah, the Command Skins, uh, the Red Manders. Uh, they lost. Raiders win by a point, 21-20. to All right, let's go to the Sunday games. We'll start at uh, Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati where the Bengals hosted the Indianapolis Colts, Jr. Uh, all right, I'll take the Bengals here. Okay, yeah, Chad? Bengals at home, I guess. I no clue. Yeah, Jack Trudeau was quarterbacking the Colts. Uh, he threw for 183 yards. Colts actually won 21-17. This was the year after they had the number one pick. So, yeah, this, is this, is this, yeah, it's the end of the season. you got to throw everything out. It's all these garbage guys playing and everything else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, this was the year after they had the number one pick and took Steve Entman, and we all know what happened to him. And they had the second pick. It's a Quentin Coriat, and they both fell off the face of the earth. Uh, next, we go to Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. The Chefs hosting the Denver Broncos. Jr. Oh, Chad. Oh, I'll go Chiefs at home. Chiefs at home. Chiefs win big, actually. 42-20. to 20. This was like the uh, soft kind of deep stretch for Denver where they were kind of good but not good enough anymore kind of thing. That's when, of course, Buffalo is the class of the AFC. Uh, next, we go to the Metrodome in Minneapolis. The Vikings host the Green Bay Packers, Jr. Uh, I'll take... The Vikings. Chad? Yeah, I'll go Vikings. Sean Salisbury threw for 292 yards. I believe this was – I think this was Favre's first season in in uh, Green Bay. So. And, That's and, what uh, I was wondering if he came on the scene yet. Or I not. think he was, right? I think your, I think your Falcons traded him at that point. So yeah. uh, Vikings won 27-7. Uh, next we go to uh, – I wonder if it's – well, at this point I think it's Foxborough Stadium. I don't think it's Gillette Stadium anymore. But obviously no, they're not Gillette. Not Gillette, uh, Sullivan Stadium. Yeah. But they were still in the old uh, the old dump. Uh, the Patriots hosting the Miami Dolphins, Chad. Dolphins. Jer? Miami. This was, of course, the year that uh, the Pats would get the number one pick because they would draft uh, Mr. Bledsoe the following spring. Dolphins win in overtime, 16-13. <laughs> uh, we go to Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia. The Eagles hosting the New York Giants, Chad. Mm. Uh, no, Jr. Sorry, Jr. Uh, I'll take the Eagles. Okay. Chad? I'll be different. I'll go Giants. All right. Well, Jeff Hosteller threw for a couple hundred yards, but this was the peak of Reggie's Minister of Defense run for that, the Jerome Browns and the Seth Joyners. Eagles win 20-10. to uh, We go to Three River Stadium in Pittsburgh, the Steelers hosting the Cleveland Browns. Chad? Uh, Steelers. Chair? Um... Yeah, I'll go Pittsburgh. Uh, Bubby Brister threw for 223. Barry Foster, who helped win me a fantasy league title the following year, threw uh, rushed for 103 yards. Steelers win 23-13. Scott played fantasy in 1993. I did. <laughs> and won. Uh, yes. Very easy. Um, let's go to uh, Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe. The Phoenix Cardinals hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, JR. I will take the Cardinals. Chad? 
Uh, Cardinals, I guess. That sounds like a brutal game. Uh, guess what? It was a terribly brutal game. Bucks seven, Cardinals three. <laughs> Quite brutal. Yes. Quite brutal. Uh, we go to the hole in the roof, Texas Stadium in Irving, the Cowboys and the Chicago Bears. Uh, Chad. Cowboys. Yeah. Right. Emmett won the rushing title on this day. Emmett uh, should hit with 131 yards. Troy had the day off, but the Cowboys win 27 to 14. They went 13 and 3 that year. Uh, let us go to Anaheim Stadium where the Rams hosting the Atlanta Falcons. JR. Oh, man. So really test Chad's six year old knowledge. Um, All right, I'll go. I'll go with. Uh, I'll go with the Rams. Okay, Chad. Yeah, I don't recall the Falcons being very good this year. I think Glanville was on the scene, but uh, I'm gonna go with the Rams too. Um, I'm assuming that Chris Miller was hurt. Um, Wade Wilson was starting for the Falcons on this day. He threw for 374 yards, but the Rams won 38 to 27. Oh wow! We go to the. Uh, Yeah, you both both said Rams. Uh, We go to the Kingdome in Seattle. The Seahawks host the San Diego Chargers, Chad. Ooh, another one different. Um, I'll go Seahawks at home. Okay, Chad. Jer? Uh, I'll take the Chargers. Stan Gelbaugh was the quarterback for the uh, Seahawks, and that should tell you all you need to know. Chargers 31, Seahawks 14. We go to oh good game. This must have been I wonder if this is a Sunday night game. Were they doing Sunday nights in the early nineties? Yeah, I guess they were. Uh we go to the Astrodome in Houston. Pretty good matchup here. The Houston Oilers hosting the Buffalo Bills, JR. I'll take the Bills, but yeah, that's a shootout right there. Yeah. Chad? Uh, I'll I'll go Oilers. Well, here's an interesting thing. Cody Carlson started for the Oilers, but Buffalo probably had everything wrapped up because probably nobody played, although Thurman Thomas rushed for 97 yards. But the Oilers won convincingly, 27-3. to 3. So I'm guessing all the starters took the day off because Bill's probably... Probably for both teams. Maybe both teams were in. Yeah. I mean, they both, well, yeah. This was this this, this was the, the following the week. Yeah, they play, isn't it? Game, right? I, I think the following so. week was the comeback game. Right. And then Monday night... Uh, Monday night, the night of our, of our match tonight, from uh, Candlestick Park... San Francisco 49ers host the Detroit Lions. Uh, Chat. 49ers. Yeah, I'll take the Niners. Uh, Steve Young throws for 153, and the Niners win 24 to 6. All right, it's a 9 9 tie to start this new era. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Yep. That was a uh, not a surprise, with two, even though, yeah. even with Chad at six years old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, week week 17's tough too, man. Yeah, there's so a lot going in there. Yeah, right, Scott, I, mean, I'm gonna, I know you got to cavalcade a bucket of things, but uh, we're trying to keep our format these days. So why don't you pick one of your remaining items for us as a treat, and then we'll dive into our match here tonight. Okay, yeah. Um, let us do that. Uh, all right, why don't we – there's no 902-0. Um, there's no 902-0 in this week. You know, with Chad here, why don't we do some college football? Like we're going to okay. do college football from here on out too. So let's see. Well – this is a quickie. There was only one bowl game. There was a bowl game on this night. Uh, it was the Aloha Bowl, and Kansas beat number 25 BYU. 23. Is this uh, Minnesota State? Screaming Eagles at the Aloha Bowl year? Is that all right? <laughs> might be. Might be. Um, I, don't know, uh, I don't know what the 92 
Georgia Bulldogs were doing. Who was head coach? It was uh, Goff. 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 Yes, they they were they were good. Yeah, um, they, they they were like ten and two, I think, that year. But ninety uh, two is when Alabama won the national championship. So. Yes, they did when they had uh, Gino Toretta. Well, Gino Toretta was at Miami. That was um, oh, what the heck was his name? The the running back. Oh, I can't remember his name. The running back for Bama. I think the Cowboys drafted him. Actually, I can't remember his name. Um, but he had a good he had a good game in that Sugar Bowl. Yeah, Georgia. Sure. I, I was just looking. I I thought their games were very close. This kind of shows you like the old school schedule, how everything went. Mm-hmm. Um, so Georgia did go. They went ten and two. They lost to Tennessee, who was you know really starting to come up, thirty one to thirty four, and then they lost to Florida, of course, with Spurrier twenty four to twenty six. So they lost two games the whole year by a combined five points. Yeah. Um, the way it went that there you go. They 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 beat Ohio State in the bowl game. So they, yeah, uh, there you go. The more things change. <laughs> the more exactly. <laughs> um uh there were there were some NBA games on that day. The Hawks lost. Um this was I think this was no, this wasn't the uh expansion year for the Hornet. No, this was one of the better years. They won. No, they, they were like eighty eight, I think. Yeah, and well, this is—I think this was the first. This big is ninety-two, year. ninety-three. This is the year they beat the Celtics in the playoffs. This is the year they beat the Celtics. Yeah, this is when they had Grandma Ma and 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 Zoe. Yeah, this is a good team. A few hockey games, nothing crazy. Oh, actually, no hockey games on that night. There was some college basketball, but there was no episode of nine hundred two and zero that week. Of course, this was season three, which is my personal favorite season. And uh, but they Starting were on soon Christmas on nine hundred two one no so. Yes, uh, our nine hundred two and zero podcast. Me and Tim Cable. Yes. Which you both will be on very soon. Welcome to Atlanta, jacking hammers and bows. Back to the mackin' and jacking the clothes. Adolescents packing the foes. A knock on the door. Who is it? I would happen to know the one with the flow. Who did it? It was me, I suppose. JD in the rolls and looters in the cut supreme. Skating down old neck. Yeah, let's fast forward back to December 28, 1992. We have a few, some fun facts here uh, about the wrestling in the city of Atlanta. Um, plus the build to this match, courtesy of our buddy Steve Riddle. So the state of Georgia was home to one of the more prominent territories. Georgia Championship Wrestling began airing on WTBS in 1972. In 1984, Georgia Championship Wrestling was infamously sold to WDF with the first show under the banner, airing on July 14, 1984. Of course, we go down infamy as Black Saturday. Unhappy with the lack of quality of the show, Turner back to sale of Georgia from WDF to Jim Crockett in spring of 85. Vince McMahon would then use that money to finance the first WrestleMania. Atlanta played a host of a total of five NWA WCW pay-per-views. Starcade 85, 86, 89, 92, and Slamboree 1993. It was also a regular stop on the Great American Bash Tours. It was also the site of the first ever War Games on July 4th, 87. Cities played host to eight WWE pay-per-views. We talked to about a bunch of them earlier. Rumble 02, Rumble 10, Armageddon 04, and Duluth. Backlash 07, WrestleMania 27, Hell in a Cell 2012, Survivor Series 2015, and Day 1. 2023 city also hosts one ring of honor pay-per-view chad you know which one one ring of honor pay-per-view mm-hmm. i don't know it was a uh, honor takes center stage 2011 so there you go and, uh, I, don't, I don't know about that probably really. wasn't a pay-per-view maybe it was just a yeah that was uh pay-per-view. that was wrestlemania weekend uh yeah, that yeah. was the first ring of honor shows i, I went to both of those shows uh, really good shows 
Uh, two modern day NWA pay per views, Scott. Any idea? Uh, in Atlanta, well, they were supposed to do. They were supposed to do the 2020 Crockett Cup uh, in in Atlanta or in in a suburb of Georgia, but they they bagged it, of course, because of the pandemic. Um, uh, was it like the pop up 2019? I think it was maybe maybe that was Nashville. It was uh, Into the Fire 2019 and Hot Times yeah. 2020. Yes, they were. It was in their studios. That's right. It was in their studios. Good good shows actually. Into the Fire was a good show, and Hard Times 2020 is when they re brought back the uh, TV title. Uh, NWA was good before the pandemic, believe me, it was. Uh, and then just caught trying to catch up from there. But uh, they were supposed to do the 2020 Crockett Cup. That was the big uh, Marty uh, Aldis $250,000 match, whatever the heck it was. But the pandemic squashed that. And they were supposed to be in some venue. We're supposed to seat like 5,000 people. I'm trying to remember where the venue was, but. Um, yeah, then they did the studio, and they're not there anymore. Now they're in Nashville. So, uh, all right. Impact so. is also held against all odds in 2021 and Hard to Kill 2023. Atlanta be home of Saturday Night during the early 90s, taped at Center Stage Theater, and a little bit of build to this match. On October 31st, Saturday night, they announced a tournament called King of Cable. Finals happening at Starcade to celebrate 20 years of TBS, and the winner would receive a trophy and display at CNN Center. On uh, November 7th, Rick Rude defeated Byron Windham. Sting beat Brian Pillman. The next week, Vader defeated Tony Atlas. And Dustin Rhodes defeated the Barbarian, who subbed for Jake the Snake Roberts. At the Clash uh, 21, Sting defeated Rick Rude. And Vader defeated Dustin Rhodes on 11-21. And then on December 5th, Vader and Rude defeated Sting and Simmons. And a week later, both men cut promos as they're facing in the finals and also will be complete, competing in the Lethal Lottery as well. So big night for both men. Uh, we've gone ahead and queued up the match. Again, it is Sting versus Big Van Vader from Starcade 92. It is on Peacock. We are paused at 202.18, and we're going to hit play in three, two, one, go. All right, Chad, instant ranking, Sting's blue tights. Yeah, they, these are these are some great tights. I think uh, I, I I do like the the bright orange. When he did the orange and kind I like of the, orange orange too. The, the teal blue, um, but this is a, a great look too. And then the uh, the all American face paint and uh, tight schemes that he had when he beat Flair yeah. at Bash ninety. Uh, I mm. mean, Sting's, Sting's got a lot of cool attire. You, you can't knock him for that because he did color schemes you didn't really see a whole lot either. Like when he, even when he had the longer hair and he was doing like the green and black and all that, like it was, he, he definitely was versatile. Now their history before this. So Vader showed up for all intents and purposes when like late 91, right? I know he was around before that for a couple. Yeah. Of years. Like, so, so Vader was, Vader was around in late 91, but he was still kind of, it, it was a weird thing where he was contracted by New Japan still. So so he was sort of doing a, a dual thing there. Um, and then Sting had the uh, first the feud with Luger in late 91. And then when Luger for sure was going, uh, you had the weird situation where he was announced for the title match at Super Brawl 2. Um, on February 29, 92, 
but um, but Luger had already done all of his committed dates and whatnot, so so he's not on TV at all. Uh, so so that build is very funky and stings dealing with the dangerous lights at that point. Um, but but one thing in watching the TV between these two, um, and I think that you don't really realize unless you follow it closely and uh, it was tracked on seven months of danger is, is almost immediately after Sting won the title uh, from Luger at Super Brawl, he does do like a, a kind of like a month around the loop versus rude where he did title matches, but there's a, uh, a TV taping. It's like a power hour or some, um, either power hour worldwide something like that it's not on saturday night but but vader this is right when he signed with wcw uh he kind of comes out and attacks sting and really beats him up sting gets hurt and uh they put it over huge they play it on all the shows and this is in april i want to say early april um so from that point forward and most of the uh, remainder of the Dangerous Alliance stuff, Sting was married to Vader on like the house shows and stuff. So, so they really started rushing up the feud in April and would show the beat down. And then, of course, they had the uh, pay per view match at Great American Bash '92. Yeah, and that's where Vader just crushes them to win the title. Um, from there, pretty much just reigned as champion until Ron Simmons beat him. Um, when was that? Yeah, so Vader only holds the belt for a, a quick, short right? amount of time. Yeah, he, uh, he I, I believe, Great American Bash '92 is July 12th, and then uh, Simmons's world title win is is early August. Um, yeah. So, so it's it's a it it was presented as you know, kind of a fluke upset, um, and then uh, Sting, after getting beat by Vader, Sting kind of. Peter's off and has the stuff with Jake Roberts that leads into Halloween Havoc. So, so this, this kind of match itself is within the confines of King of Cable. But, but by this point in this feud, this felt like one of those matches that, um, you know, like the, these guys were career rivals. So, so it did yeah. feel like, all right, you can match these two up at any point and they can go after it and have a great match. Uh, well, and then they do fight on pay-per-view again at Super Brawl for the world title. Um, yes. So the feud rolls on. And then even past that, because they do the tag stuff with the Masters of the Power Bomb and the British Bulldog yeah. and all that. So their feud does go on for a bit. And the chemistry is like uh, like on display immediately. I mean, my favorite part of their feud is, A, the way Vader throws Sting around, but also the way Sting throws himself at Vader constantly. Like, he just uses himself as a projectile throughout the match a lot of the time. Yes. Just I flying into him. Flies into with a clothesline. They both fly over the top. You know, just hammers them with his own body with full reckless abandon. Yeah. So according to this, uh, according to the title history, so Vader won the title at the Bash from Sting. Then Ron Simmons won it on August 2nd mm-hmm. on main event. It says, due to injury, Sting was unable to have a rematch with Vader. So a raffle was done to take Sting's place as the number one contender. Ron Simmons won the raffle. And with this win, WWE recognizes him as the first African-American to win a world title. And it aired on tape delay on the 16th. But it actually happened on the 2nd. And then he holds it till two days after this show when yeah. um, when Vader beats him and then Sting wins it. Sting actually wins it 
back at a house show in oh, London. Yeah. They do the London and then like I think Dublin or whatever. Ireland. Yep. Yeah, because yep. Vader has it. They're all ninety three, so they fight a Super Bowl again, but Sting doesn't win it back. Um, because Vader holds it until Flair, right after this. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if you if you count the the kind of phantom house show stuff, but yeah, right. it's it's till Flair beats him at Starcade ninety three. Yeah. So for all intents and purposes, he has it for a full year leading up to that yep. match. Yep. So, Chad, maybe you know that, or maybe Joe, either, either, maybe either you guys know this. So, am I am I assuming that Flair got kind of permission from 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 Vince when his contract was up to be on camera but not wrestle for ninety days? Is that what the whole like Flair for the gold? He comes out at Super Brawl, but he doesn't wrestle till what, like July or, or June or whatever? Was that? So like Vince said he could be on camera, he just can't like wrestle. Was that so. that seems like what it was because he he comes back like literally three weeks after that raw or whatever, maybe a month before we Well, he it. does more house shows in January too. Like I said, he's at that Providence one. So he finishes right. his commitments through the end of January into early February. And then I think he's literally on WCW TV like the day he could be on. <laughs> like yeah. pretty much appears. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like, like once, once his contract's up, he you know, it's kinda but I think right. there is some kind of active no compete because yeah he doesn't wrestle for a while. Yep. Um, until like I you said, Scott, he, I think it's June. I think yeah, I think he, last, I don't right? think he wrestles until yeah. Well, I don't think he wrestles until him and Arn start the feud with the with the blondes. The blondes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Till till Austin and uh and Pillman. Yeah, I think that, it's I think I have one of their matches on my top one hundred too. Uh, probably the Clash one, right? Was that the better one? I think it was. Mm-hmm. Right, I think it's a I think it's a Clash one. That's pretty good. I have a decent amount of sting. Do I have this match on my list? I'll have to look. I mean, it should be. <laughs> like, and that, like, what I like about them too is they they never go long. Like, they go a supercharged fifteen to sixteen minutes that is just like balls out the whole time. Yeah. Um, and everyone overstays his welcome as Vader beats Sting comes out hot. Vader beats the piss out of him. Sting makes his comeback, and then either Sting pulls it out or Vader just wrecks him and wins the match. Uh, except for that first one where he really just dominates him. Um, which was crazy at the time. But, I mean, Vader is one guy WCW absolutely got right pretty much the entire time till the very end. Let's see. So I have... Yeah, what did no, you I think have... of the Harley-Vader pairing, Chad? I, I like Harley. Um, you know, Harley still wanted to be in the ring as much as he mm-hmm. took bumps. Um but but I thought he was a good mouthpiece. I mean, I, th- I think Harley honestly is a little bit underrated overall uh, as like a mouthpiece for both Luger and Vader. Um, you know, I mean, that's really the only two guys he champions. Um, but you think? I mean, he had you know other other here and there when he Hercules or whatever. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, but but you remember him with those two guys, and they, he he was active and good. I I don't think Vader is somebody that like needed a mouthpiece necessarily, but I thought right. Grace worked good in the role. Well, I, actually I feel like for was... Vader to have a mouthpiece, you either I mean like the cornet thing works eventually, where you have like the smarmy guy run his mouth, but having a grizzled old tough guy isn't, and they don't present it as a manager, right? It's more like he's just an advisor to this guy because he's been up and down the road. 
you know, been through the wars and he's just like, uh, he's advising Vader is presented more that way versus, yeah, a, it's like it, a perfect and flair. It's a good compliment to what was going on with like, these are the two kind of like tough men advisor wrestlers and perfect and flair kind of like your, you know, playboy, pretty boys, you know, yeah. advisor. It's, it's a, a nice contrast. I actually had all three of their matches on my, on my, uh, on my list. I yeah, they're all one. awesome. I have the Bash and I have Super Brawl. I have all three of them. What's your ranking, Chad, of the three? I mean, I, we'll get to your grid on this match at the end, but yeah, yeah. I usually have the Strap first, and then this one second, and the uh, Great American Bash third. Oh, really? You like Super Brawl the best, huh? Yeah, I, I like the Strap match. I, I know. That... It does have some like tropey strap things with the dragon around all three corners, and the guy's not surprised. But the brutality in that one, like the welts on the backs of both men from the strap and stuff, it, it gets very visceral too. Um, so that one goes there. But uh, this match and the strap match are pretty close. I, de- I definitely have the Great American Bash match number three. Um, I still like it, but. And I mean, it's still you know easily. That's like more of a squad. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 played somewhat competitively, but I I think the the big thing that helps it is just in the finish is so definitive. Where you know, Sting goes for Stinger Splash, he bangs his head, and then it's like immediately like he's out, like he's done, power bomb, and that's it. And you just you didn't see that, like right. where babyface. I, I I'm trying to recall, like on a on a national stage with either like AWA or Mid South or or any time something like that happened with pretty much no chicanery at all. So the only thing I think it was ten years later with Eddie Guerrero and Rob Van Dam, where Eddie just dismantles him at Backlash and beats him clean. Um, like to me, like, I, but beyond that, that's not in this time frame. That's the first one that comes to mind where like a baby face just took a shit kicking and just got beat like without, mm-hmm. you know, like a top level baby face. So, yeah. Yeah. I just watched that match actually. Uh, in fact, later this week on one of my watches, I'm actually going to watch the judgment day. Uh, mm. Their whole series match. is good. And Both then, of the pay-per-view and, and the raw matches, the live is. match is good too. I'm trying to look and see where, which one of these three. I actually well, grinding away here. Uh, I obviously you don't have the volume up too high. Chad. Was the crowd hot for this, or were they? I, I would say this crowd is is decent. It's uh, it, I mean, ninety two WCW in Atlanta was just. It's one of those things where like they ran center stage so much, so you had the oversaturation, and then I think it cannot be understated that for a lot of the fans like by this point 92 wcw is just it's just not a product that they fell in love with seeing if they're long-term wrestling fans like if you're a a long-term georgia championship wrestling fan uh, you know buzz sawyer tommy rich and and that era or even earlier if you if you date back to the 70s but yeah, I mean, really, from like the early '80s, the onset of the the Road Warriors, like like the product has changed a lot. Like, I mean, even even like, I mean, this match feels like a throwback to it. But 
I mean, just some of the stuff you were seeing with like Johnny B. Bad and all, all this stuff. Right. I mean, it, it was it was a different time, and and you do you do see that where it's 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 one of those things. I I, I mean, that's that's where my fandom is right now. Like that's that's where it's relatable. Like with me in modern day, like WWE, you know, like that's a a hot product for a lot of fans now and it's just it's just something that you know like i didn't grow up with it's different from what i really uh resonate with in wrestling so it's just mostly false at least flat. the difference now versus then is you have thousands and thousands of other stuff to watch hours of other stuff to watch old and and yeah i mean i mean back then in 1992 you were pretty limited well (laughs) and and you see that where 93 is such a historically terrible uh arena attendance wise for w7 i mean they they get out drawn by smoky mountain and a lot of venues and i think that plays into it where smoky mountain did feel like that right you know 80s feel and and they they certainly played that up like in the smoky mountain promos on the tv it's like the wrestling you used to love you know like that's that's literally what they said so it, it, it was it was something they were cosmic of. Uh, Vader is just peppering Sting right Sting, here. Sting calling for it was awesome. He was in the corner, like saying, "Bring it, bring it," because you know mm-hmm. it's almost a little bit of callback to their past stuff, where Vader just pummeled them. And here he's like not dying. I mean, it's a little bit of rock, Rocky Clever Lang story with these two. Exactly what I was thinking uh, of. Yep. Where Sting comes back and he's kind of learned a little bit more how to hang in, and he's just taking the punches um, as we ramp down here. It is very reminiscent because because Vader looks like he's getting a little gassed. You know, this match also reminds me a lot of uh, I don't I wasn't sure if you mentioned it a minute ago, but it's very reminiscent of Brock and what Brock and Cena would do at uh, hmm. at SummerSlam yeah, 2014, yeah. where where Sting's probably you know because I always I always equate early '90s Sting to like anything Cena ever did, and it's very reminiscent. Um, and uh, I mean, Sting doesn't mind being a little snug because I'm sure. I'm sure Vader didn't, you know, Vader would, was going to do it. He didn't give a shit. Um, uh, but yeah, very reminiscent and sting, you know, with the big comeback and, and I mean, he's, he's pretty gassed too, but he kind of, I think that's what his plan was. I think he was doing what Rocky did to clubber. He was trying yeah, yeah. to bait him punch. in and wear him down. Yeah. Let him punch himself out a little rope of dope. I wonder if it's, it's interesting that, uh, they were very comfortable with, uh, uh, that uh, Vader was very comfortable wrestling without his mask. Like there was no, it was no big thing, you know, to, to take his, you know, for him to wrestle maskless. Yeah. Like just, I mean, it like, wasn't really, uh, wasn't hiding his identity much. <laughs> no, and I don't think it was, I don't think that was the point. Yeah, you're right. I don't think it was the point either. It's not like, you know, like fucking Ray or, you know, Bill Mascaris or anything like that. No, no. It was obvious. I love uh, early nineties, uh, Harley, uh, uh, mullet. So mm. great. <laughs> So, I mean, Vader's got Sting on the ropes here. He hits the big splash off the middle rope. You know, Sting's definitely rattled. Yeah, this is the infamous, like, calling for the, now either the moonsault or the yeah. the big boy here. Um, about to get power slam, and mm-hmm. that'll do it. Sting is our king of kings. Just an uh, uh, awesome kind of... One of those where, again, like, you know, like, 
Sting was resourceful. He took a beating. So he he is a baby face. Looks resilient and and strong. And Vader is a heel, loses nothing. Because mm-hmm. like he again dominated Sting. He he made one of those mistakes. It's it's like one of those kind of moral victories. And then with the booking, they turn right around and he wins Battle Ball too. So it's like it was like right. it was it was it was brilliantly booked all around. Well, he wins the title as well. I mean, so it's yeah, like wins, wins the title two days later in the house show. They play it all on Saturday night. You know, when the first Saturday night of the year, it's like, oh, we got big news out of uh, Baltimore, wherever it happened. We we got a brand new champion. And it's Vader. So, all right, they knew what they were doing. All right, who's your? Uh, we have an MVP of this match. You're going Sting or Vader? Um, I'm, I mean, in in this feud, I, I think they're pretty equal. But I uh, I'll go Sting only because I think uh, you expect that level of violence from Vader. Uh, with Sting, you just hadn't seen it in mm-hmm. any feud until you got to this one. Um, and I don't know if you see it much sense either. It's like he, he's he's definitely stiffer and more violent versus Vader than any other opponent. Yep. Yeah, Sting, Sting's the answer for me. And uh, what do you have for a grade, Chad? Uh, so I give this one four and a half. It's uh, I, I think it's it's a uh, for me it's it really teeters between four and a half and four and three quarters. It's it's one again that as I get older, I appreciate the compactness of it. It's it's violent, it's visceral feeling, and um, it's not much to knock at it. It's just you know, like it's it's one of those weird things on the star rating side where there's not a lot of near falls really back and forth. So so you kind of think like well, that may not be as dramatic as some other matches, but but I thought it told the story almost perfectly. Mm. All right. All right. Well, it was a lot of fun. Chad, I want to thank you for kicking off our new era with us, of course. And Scott, this was, uh, I think it's cool. I enjoyed it. Definitely yes, different. Um, but it's cool yep. getting to check out a match we hadn't watched in a while. So uh, good stuff. We'll be back in two weeks with another guest, another town. Be sure to check out everything right here on the North South Connection YouTube channel, as well as the Place Nation Wrestling feed and Place Nation YouTube feed as well. Follow us on all social media. Appreciate all of your support here in 2023. Looking forward to another year here on the old mothership. Until then, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. You we'll take care. Santa can't bring me.